Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. You know, these are some crazy times right now. Coronavirus, the quarantine, social distancing, and I know it's hard on so many people. You know, my hope and prayer is that you're all safe and healthy. And whether physically or virtually, I hope that you're surrounded by loved ones. Because as we're physically distancing ourselves from people, the way that we're designed, it's so important for us to continue connecting at a heart level. And I know that this podcast episode is going to be an amazing way to do that because we have the opportunity to connect with my good friend, Brendan Mercier, who's in the military. He's got his own story with mental health and his struggles and We also get to hear the struggles that the military has with mental health and what they're doing to combat those struggles. It was so interesting and fun making this episode, and I can't really think of a better time for this episode to be coming out. So I hope you're all excited. I hope that you're all looking forward to this because it's amazing. And it's coming at you in three, two, one. Dude, I just want to first say thank you so much for wanting to share the time and share who you are um, with the people on the podcast, man. It really means a lot to me. Hey, man, I appreciate you uh, allowing me to come on. I, this is a kind of an awesome way to do this. Um, it's really important for men to talk about mental health since in our, you know, and not in our community, but in our demographic, we don't really talk about it. It's not something we do. Yeah, I completely agree, man. Completely. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm super excited because today I'm talking to my man, Brendan Mercier, who's all the way out in Hawaii right now. Brendan, thank you so much for taking the time to be on, man. Hey, brother, I appreciate you uh, allowing me to come on and share my story. Of course, man. I appreciate you being on. So, listeners, Brendan is a medic in the Navy, and I'm going to, Brendan, I'm definitely going to let you talk more about yourself than I'll say about you, but guys, he's a really interesting guy. I grew up with him in Gorham, Maine, and I've always known him to be a great man, and when he reached out to me just a few weeks ago, we had an amazing conversation about our journeys with mental health and also some of the things that he's seen while being in the military. So we're going to dive deep into a lot of this stuff. Um, but Brendan, I would love if you could just start by sharing a little bit of your personal story and struggles with mental health. All right. Awesome. So for me, yes, I am a medic in the Navy, but you know, better known as a hospital corpsman. Um, we don't like to be called medics because we're better. Um, but yeah, anyways. Uh, so my personal story, um, well, I guess, um, I could start with all the way back in high school. Um, I was never bullied per se. Uh, I just, I kind of had a, a rough couple of years when I was between my sophomore and roughly my end of my junior year, beginning of my senior year. Um, uh, my father had had open heart surgery a few years back 
and I was constantly getting evaluated for heart for a heart condition to see if I had one. Um, and then I think it was my sophomore year, uh, they were telling me that I might possibly have a condition, and the best way to combat it was to lose weight. Well, me being who I am, I take everything to the extreme, my mom says. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I went kind of crazy with it. I switched my entire lifestyle. I stopped playing football, baseball. I switched to track and cross country. Um, and honestly, I uh, during my sophomore year, I kind of developed an eating disorder where I went from being a healthy 165 to 170 all the way down to about 130. Um, it was extreme calorie counting. I would um, definitely had tr- problems with eating. Uh, I can remember one time, which is like I don't really tell people many of this, or I don't really tell many people this story. But I had once eaten. I had not eaten in so like so long that I just decided to eat once, and it happened to be a some you know plain Greek yogurt. And, you know, when you're not eating, you just get so hungry and you just start eating, eating, eating. Well, I had finished like a pound, like a one pound tub of um, non-fat or whatever it was, Greek yogurt. And I immediately jumped on the scale. And that was one thing about this is I weighed myself probably about seven, eight times a day. It was crazy. But I immediately jumped on the scale and I go I like gained four pounds. Obviously, since I'd eaten so much food, that I immediately strapped on my running gear and I went for a like sixteen mile run. I think is what it came out to be, and I just made myself super sick because um, I was so concerned about being over one hundred and forty pounds. I was like mentally, I was just like I can't be over this number, and the number on the scale dictated my life for a very very long time um i still kind of have a trouble with um what you know the number on a scale and also going out to eat um it makes me like uncomfortable uh, especially if i eat a lot because then the next day i feel like i shouldn't eat that much but you know it's it's been a process for me to get like a very healthy relationship with food um but yeah that's basically my biggest struggle for um, myself for mental health is just getting or allowing myself to eat without feeling like I need to go work out immediately. I don't know. That's uh, basically my, yeah, that's my uh, personal story is I have a very, very hard time. Um, it's a little better. Definitely. It's a little better with eating. Mm-hmm. Dude. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And as you're saying it, I'm like, oh, my Lord, I can totally relate so much to a lot of the things that you just said. And you know a lot of my story, and I think my listeners do, too. Um, You know, having been a heavier kid growing up and then kind of going through this weight loss journey where I ended up losing 80 pounds, the scale kind of became a definer for me. Like if the scale wasn't going down. I almost inherently felt like I wasn't as worthy as if I was losing weight. And I totally hear what you're saying where like you ate the pound tub of Greek yogurt, which by the way, man, why not ice cream? Come on. But (laughs) I don't really like sweets. 
Hey, that's fair game. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, like immediately upon eating something, even to this day, sometimes I'll have moments where I jump on the scale right after because I'm concerned that it's going to go up too fast and too high and that that's going to define me in some way. So I totally hear you in those respects, man. And uh, I'm really glad that you brought all that up because I feel like eating disorders i'm really glad that there's a lot of attention given to towards it with women but it's not talked about much with men and having been only one grade above you you know i spent most of my high school years being in the same school as you you know of course you had the, your senior year was the only time that i wasn't around you and i didn't even though you were losing weight i would have never guessed that there were those struggles mentally for you yeah, man, I, uh, you know, a lot of people that are, like, having a hard time, they like to make people laugh, and I don't know, I feel like that was, like, kind of my, my way of, like, hiding it all, or I would put off this very big facade that I was doing this for a reason or whatever, but uh, I was actually mentally struggling, and I just didn't want anybody to know. I totally get that. Um, I remember. Sorry, go ahead, say, say it again. I was just going to say, I remember at one point, my mom was like, uh, look, if you don't start eating and gaining weight, I'm going to take you to the hospital. And that literally scared me so much that I would, I ate dinner that night, but usually I wouldn't eat dinner and it was, but yeah, that's like, that's how I knew I was having a problem was because I needed somebody to threaten me with going to the doctor mm. in order for me to eat. Oh my gosh. That's so real, man. And uh, I mean, just given the circumstances, like what had happened with your father and that being scary enough to see him go through what he went through, right? But um, we can control so few things in this life. And as humans, we totally crave control. And one of the things that's easiest to control is your food intake. Not that I don't want to make it sound like it's super easy because there's still nights where I eat way more than I should have. But <laughs> I had like four pieces of pizza last night. Oh, hey, you know what? I did the same thing a couple nights ago and I'm starting to heal like you said, too. You know what? Sometimes you have to have those days where you just kind of go in on food a little bit more than you usually do. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You definitely need. I honestly, like, the one thing I've learned through my struggles and everything is that some days you just need to have crappy food, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not good for you, and you don't feel good after, but it tastes so good, the grease and all that. Oh, like, yeah. It's, like, it's just that mental, like, break, because if you've had a rough day, like a rough week or whatever, pizza does the trick, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Dude. Honestly, for me, a lot of these things that can be like ritualistic, like me and my little sister, we are living together. We don't have a bunch of money for food all the time. But one of the things I look forward to the most is the one night a week that we have a frozen pizza. And it's like that frozen pizza. It's not even that great of pizza because it's a damn frozen pizza. But it was also right. like three bucks, you know, right. and it's not yeah. healthy for me. But hey. I love it because I know that it's going to be a nice, easy meal for me to just relax and enjoy with my little sister. So I think you're spot on. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm telling you, um, I, I'm primarily the cook in the family. So every day of the week I'm cooking. So uh, 
at least once or twice we'll go out and grab like fast food or something mm-hmm. one it's a break on me because some days are very long and some days you know you're just like i can't cook i'm too tired mm-hmm. but those are also like the days that like we're just sitting on the couch uh, being bummed my wife and i who also by the way is amazing through all of this anytime i'm like because i'm also super self-appreciating and mm-hmm. she'll like sit at me and be like hey straighten up or i'm gonna hit you in the head you know my wife is just amazing man through all of this i honestly like i would not be where i am today without her i love that man that's so important too to be sorry go ahead no you just gotta have a teammate dude it's it's all it's about a hundred percent i love that and i think you know when we were on a phone call a couple weeks ago you called me out for back in the day not called me out Back in the day, you just mentioned that I was self-depreciating too, and yeah. And honestly, when you when you told me that story, I couldn't remember that exact moment, but I totally know that I can be self-depreciating. I know that I can make comments about myself, and the fact that there was a moment that really stuck with you about me doing that says a couple things to me. Number one, it attests to your character and your care. Um, cause the fact that you remembered that after all these years, that meant a lot to me. Just please know that. Um, but two, it, it's also like, that was a powerful enough moment that, and you like, you recognize that that's like not how we should be talking about ourselves. And, uh, and you know, and it at least allowed you to mention that to me later on in my life so I could pay more attention to it. But, um, I don't know if that played any part in in you recognizing yourself uh, being self-depreciating to yourself, but either way. See, that's, that's the problem with self-depreciation. You never realize it until somebody brings it up to you. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like anybody that's sort of self-depreciating, they, they don't really notice it until you call it to their attention. Like they're just making a joke and they're playing it off like as a defense mode or a defense mechanism. But they don't notice that they're doing it. Yeah. It's like when people are anxious, they pick at their fingernails or they bite their fingernails. They don't realize they're doing it. They're just doing it. It's like a, it's like a way of feeling safe or having some control. And that's you know that's the sad part, man. And growing up, I think the reason that that's that moment stuck with me so much was growing up. Your family was amazing. You were an amazing kid. You guys had so much love in your little family unit that like. I don't know. To me, you guys were like the perfect little family. <laughs> you, guys, I don't, you know, like your parents are great, super sweet. Your dad was a basketball coach. Your dad was always involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad was always involved too, but I just, you know, I just thought you guys were like an awesome little unit of a family and you were always a great kid. I never saw you. I don't think you have a mean bone in your body. <laughs> so I think that's why it stuck with me, man. It's like, this guy is such a great guy. I don't want to hear that from him. Mm. Well, man, that that really means a lot to me, and uh, and it does go to show you, no matter how well put together people look or families look, there's still always little quirks, little kinks, right? And uh, absolutely, man. And you need friends like yourself to, like you mentioned earlier, to point those out. So because if if nobody ever does, then you're not going to know about them. Um, exactly. That's why you need those teammates, man. Hundred percent. I'm glad that your wife is that for you. That's that's huge. Let's also talk about how much dogs are like the ultimate partner. 
you have a rough day, that dog is like, yo, what's up, best friend? Can you pet me? Yeah, right? Oh, 100%, man. I, ever since my parents moved to Michigan, that has been one of the hardest things is not being around my pup. Oh, yeah. You still have, um, what's her name? No, probably not. That was when you were a kid, when we were kids. Yeah. You did that for Chihuahua. I think it was a chihuahua. Yeah. Wow, that's a great memory, man. He was uh, part Shih Tzu, part Chihuahua. His name was okay, Imus. I always thought he was a female. Oh, really? Well, it's hard because now my current dog, everybody thinks is like Gabrielle, but his name is actually Gabriel, and he looks like he would be a woman but or a female pup, but he's a dude. So... <laughs> <laughs> can certainly get confusing but yeah man like there's literally nothing better than that unconditional love getting home and all they want is to be with you or to eat the chicken off your plate that's that's true there's nobody else i'd rather share my chicken with than my dog though yeah me either she's uh she's pretty solid Good old chocolate. <laughs> yeah what's her name again her name is harley like harley quinn that's my right. name is harley quinn oh that's so good I, that's an amazing name for dogs too. I, I feel like I can just picker picture like, any biker in the world, who likes Harley's, just naming their dog Harley. I don't know. It just seems like a absolutely. great name. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. I joke because she's like the all American dog, so I want to get her a, a American flag bandana and throw it on her. But she does not like bandanas, and I learned that the hard way with a Patriots bandana that she tore up on me. Oh no way. I was like, come on, dog, that's a pass. Oh, my God. Yeah, you can't be doing that. I mean, we might be in Hawaii, but still, you got to represent. I know. <laughs> you know, at the time, she was in St. Louis, so I can understand that she didn't want to be a part of that. Okay. I guess that she makes sense. Yeah, she didn't want to get bullied by other dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Who do people root for out in Hawaii? Um, Football? Yeah, if we're talking football. Yeah, football. They don't have a team, man. I don't. I don't really know. I've seen Patriots stickers. I've seen Raiders stickers. I've seen Chiefs stickers. I don't. I don't know because they kind of vary. I guess. It's just random. Really have. They don't. They, think about it. Hawaii doesn't have one professional sports team. That's pretty nuts, man. I mean, understandably so. Hawaii, at least on Oahu, the University of Hawaii, the football team, it's actually right here in Pearl City. Mm-hmm. Their stadium is. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty big on that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's probably like a lot of those like Midwestern states and Southern states that are like loaded with massive colleges that they don't really root as much for pro sports. They're more about the college sports. Exactly. That makes sense. Well, hey, man, I would love to segue into some of your experiences in the military with mental health. I would love to start just talking about how you have seen in your position mental health be treated within the military because upon first glance it seems like maybe they wouldn't be the best combination yeah absolutely um so i'm gonna preface this by saying that my thoughts and experiences um they're not they're in no way representative of the navy or armed forces whatsoever so everything i say it's basically it's just me saying it so i yeah so i'm not like a representative of it by any means but so as far as that I've seen in the military, mental health is kind of, there's like a stigma around it. Um, so basically, if you need to see mental health, you are seen as weak. So in the, 
military, physical and mental strengths are huge. And as soon as there's a weakness in either, sometimes people really bounce on it. Like, um, it's kind of like, um, like high school. And I'm not saying that everybody does. There's just certain aspects of the military that will do it more than others because it's weakness isn't like weakness is no good, especially like when you're in the front lines or you're doing stuff, you need to be fully mentally there, physically there in order to do your job. Mm. Um, but in saying that the military has been super proactive and it's been like, they've been throwing programs and things and they've increased the number of psychologists they bring in and they even give them a bonus. But, um, there's actually, um, if you ever have any like questions regarding like suicide, if anybody does, they, the military comes out with a DOD, um, it's called the DOD annual suicide report and it talks about the numbers and it talks about, um, safety measures that are coming out that are there, um, and future development efforts. So that's always, the military is always being proactive because this is a public health concern because we don't, just like anywhere else, you don't want to see your, your shipmates or your soldier battle buddies to be, you know, struggling. So, um, but as far as day to day life, um, people that have appointments with mental health, uh, they usually are looked down upon generally because it's, it's weakness. They think people think it's weakness and it's kind of sad to see that. Um, but I can see that, um, it's kind of developed through over the years we've like been in war and people weren't you know, physically and mentally strong people because the times that you're like at the worst, you need people to be able to muster the courage and strength to keep fighting because one person down is, you know, it compromises the mission mm-hmm. back way back when they used to call it, um, what was it? Uh, battle fatigue was mm-hmm. one term shop syndrome was another term and finally they came up with post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. and uh you'll see that but i think the main concern that i've been seeing recently is younger males and man females too um it's the younger people that are coming in and they're having trouble with relationship issues family issues financial issues and they they have they think they have no other way out and it's they have a hard time going to their superiors because their superiors don't really understand that stuff. Um, we do get trainings on it every so often. Uh, definitely not as common as um, like uh, sexual assault or anything like that. But we do get trainings on it. Uh, it's just hard to tell your. It's I think it's really hard for young men to tell people that they're having a hard time. Mm. I mean, for personally. A few months back, uh, about a year ago, I was having a super hard time financially. My pay was messed up, um, and my wife she was uh, she was getting out of the military, so it was just it was a, a weird time for me. So I was alone in an apartment. Um, my dog wasn't there. I didn't have any money. I was literally eating for like a whole week. I would eat like ham and cheeses for dinner, and then cheese balls every so often if I had them. Oh my god. So, <laughs> god. Yeah, so I mean, financial strain is a huge factor. I'm telling you, man, it's financial, family, relationship loss, and then definitely whenever somebody in your unit commits suicide, it just it tears down morale so much because mm. we all love each other like we're brothers and sisters. 
we may sometimes fight with each other, but at the end of the day, if you go to a bar or anywhere and somebody's fighting a service member, there's going to be seven or eight of other service members who don't even know that person that are going to jump in and help them out. Because mm-hmm. we're a family. We're a family, and that's what we are. Um, but sometimes, you know, we try to eat our weak, as some people say. But, yeah. But as far as from a, as a corpsman's perspective, I've seen, like, most of the time, suicide, suicides, you know, um, they're current. I mean, they're always going through, all throughout the year. They're highest, though, in the, in the holiday months, though, people that um, can't go home to see their families, and they're just like, you know, it just, they're like, I can't do this anymore. I really can't do this anymore. Because, and, you know, that's the time. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time um, with people that, who attempted suicide, and you can just kind of like see it in their face that they've just, they feel defeated. They, mm. they feel like there's no other route, and it's just so sad to see. But that's what they feel. They just feel defeated. And you're just sitting there, and you're trying to reassure them. And then, yeah, they go off to a mental health hospital, and then, then the military decides what to do with them from there. Oh. Um, I think last year they were talking about um, possibly separating members with post-traumatic stress, stress disorder because they're no longer mission operable so Mm. uh, that was another thing that kind of made me worried because i know a few people with ptsd and i would never want to see them have to be separated because of something that they developed while serving their country but Mm. at the same time i know what they're talking about mission readiness it's it's really really tough to say but mission readiness you need you need physically and mentally ready people in order to maintain our operational forces Mm mm-hmm yeah. Oh, yeah. dude. So much of that is, is heartbreaking. Uh, um, and it's, it's so hard to understand like what the right moves would be, you know? Cause I, I, obviously I, I share that. I think that strength through vulnerability is super important. Hence the name of this podcast. But you think about these kids who are just joining the military, like you had mentioned, and, you know, they're away from home for the first time in their life. They have very limited access to their family. And then there's the financial struggles. All those things that you mentioned, those are so hard. And then on top of that, the stigma around mental health within the military makes it that much harder for these kids to go and get the help that maybe they need because they're afraid of what their other like what their brothers and sisters might think of them you know right I, I just can't imagine how difficult that would be no and i will definitely say that the military is trying to be proactive as they can but there's sometimes like there's just their hands are tied they have to we have to maintain a mission mm-hmm. and it's it's terrible but at the same time like it's completely understandable and there's those higher ups they're having to make these really hard decisions mm. and i don't i do not envy them at all those are hard hard decisions yeah i can't imagine you know like you gotta we have to maintain mission readiness in order to defend and protect you know so it's definitely tough but as a mid mid person in leadership i definitely encourage any sailor that's having a hard time to come talk to me and if they're not comfortable just i'll be like okay you know what go find someone you're comfortable talking with if that's a healthcare provider that's totally fine 
you can take that time that's definitely needed because in order to take care of other people in our job, you need to be able to take care of yourself first. Mm. And that's, that's my main thing is like, if you're not ready, you need to let me know so that you can go get yourself the, the needs you need or the, not the needs you need, but the things you need in order to be ready. I can't, I don't want you to be having these thoughts because I definitely don't want to lose a sailor. I'm telling you that that would make me heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And I've already lost a couple friends and um, one of them was like, I would say like my Navy father figure, which is a weird term, but at the same time, people in the military <laughs> will understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was like an E1 to E, or so I was like an E3, E4, um, I was a junior enlisted and I was kind of a little screw up, you know, I just like to drink and party. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> um, terrible but i know i was a junior enlisted sailor it was kind of like the culture but Mm -hmm. he took me under his wing and he guided me and he put me in the right direction and um i'm not gonna say any names obviously because and i still have trouble like like feeling like you know like i can't believe that's real but this person um left the command um i shared everything with him i would every time i got an award or got promoted i would send it right his way be like hey i did this Thank you so much for you. Mm. And, you know, like, I was super appreciative of this person. And this person ended up uh, committing suicide, or they succumbed to their mental health. And I, it hit me so hard. I just remember sitting there. I got the call. I was like, no, 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 no. And, you know, to this day, it still is really rough for me. I, I was, I wanted to, on so many occasions, to post like something about it or you know like a photo like i have this really awesome photo of this person and i where he or this person was handing me an award and i treasure it so much and i wanted to post it and be like this person meant the world to me but to me if i do that it's it's going to be real and i don't even know if i'm capable yet a year later to do that Mm. and that like that's the the morale piece that i was talking about that's like when one of this happens to our brothers or sisters, it destroys morale. And that's what I'm kind of trying to tell you through this story is that my, my personal well-being is like, I have really hard time sometimes because like sometimes this person will pop up in like my memories and, and I don't want that person to be a memory, you know, Mm. I want that person to be with me. Yeah. So, very very tough situation and obviously i've known a few uh sailors and marines that have succumbed to their battles and it's really tough man it's really really tough i really can't imagine man um thank you for sharing all that it's yeah i'm with you man yeah yeah, that's stuff that i usually don't really talk about because i as a leader i don't want them to see me as you know weak Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm talking about the stigma again. Like, I don't want to be seen as weak. Yeah. And but, it's, you know, yeah, it's a, ahead, such a, def- it's a, such a difficult thing to balance. Like you were saying earlier, cause there is strength and courage in sharing these things. But then of course there is the other side where like you keep saying you got to be battle ready too. And that kind of leads me towards something that you had mentioned when we were on our call a couple weeks ago 
about how, at least from your experiences, it almost seems like the people who are struggling most with their mental health in the military aren't necessarily the ones who are overseas in a war zone. But a lot of times it's the people who are stationed overseas in an area that's maybe not a war zone like Germany or Japan or something like that. And it's just this new experience for them where they're away from home. And I don't know if you wanted to mention anything on that because I thought that that was really interesting. Absolutely. I would definitely talk about that. I totally, I have that in my notes. I just haven't touched on it. Um, so yeah, so, um, what I'm noticing is these younger kids coming in, we're not really in a time of war. Um, we do have, um, sailors, Marine soldiers, airmen going on deployments overseas sometimes, but mainly we're kind of in like a, um, stagnant state where we're just getting readiness up and things like that. But these young kids, um, mainly males, 18 to 23, 18 to 24, um, they come in the military. They've never been away from home. It's super stressful. And, um, you know, we get, we get paid kind of like, um, every two weeks, but sometimes sailors and Marines and all that have trouble with their saving money. And so they get into some financial issues and they also are away from home. So that's a family issue. Sometimes um, we call it getting jodied, but basically like their loved one back home leaves them for another person because they're not there. And that's super painful for them too. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's these young guys that are, you know, kind of like just getting ready. They feel like they don't have a purpose and they lose, you know, a family member or something like that. They have one of those stressors and they um, feel like there's no way out. And then they either succumb to their battle or they go for help and then they feel kind of like demas- or you know less masculine or whatever and it's it's tough to see but it's definitely something that's an issue I think um, actually from the uh, DOD annual report they only have can- calendar year 2018 up right now because calendar year 2019 has been released but in calendar year 2018 alone there was 541 deaths by suicide across all branches in the DOD which from 2013 to 2018 increased from 18.5 to 24.8 per 100,000 members. So as you can see, in the last five years, suicide has gone up, um, kind of in correlation with how we de-escalated overseas. Mm. Very so, interesting. Yes. Yeah, so I'm, we were talking about the hierarchy of needs. Well, in war zones, people are worried about getting shot. They're not really worried about anything else, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that they, these issues have always been present. It's just they're kind of um, coming to um, fruition, not really fruition, but they're coming, they're becoming more of an issue because they're like, that's the only focus we have right now. Like we're not in war. These people are kind of like, they're stagnant and they feel like the loss of purpose. Yeah, I totally, I totally get that. And I, I, I like, when we're on our call, I couldn't remember. Is it Maslow's hierarchy? Maslow? I don't even remember what his name Maslow. is. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, I I love that you brought that up because I just think about how, you know, I'll have days where my anxiety is really bad and it's like really difficult to just relax. But then if I like go for a run and I run hard enough that like I'm panting for my breath, I realize that when I'm panting for my breath, I have zero cares in the world. My I don't feel anxiety at all. The only thing that I care about 
is catching my breath because if I don't, I'm going to pass out. But if I do, then I get to survive. And that's like the one thing I care about in that moment of, of need. So I think that it's really interesting that you mentioned that with the soldiers. It's, you know, when they're not mainly concerned about getting shot at, these other things come to the surface. And that's really hard, especially if, you know, systems aren't put in place to help them with that, which it sounds like the military's, you know, continuing to do a better and better job as the as the years go by with that. Um, but also when that stigma is still there, makes it difficult. It so, is. I would. It is. It is. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was just I was just confirming what you're saying. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I. I remember when we were chatting a couple weeks back, um, we had talked a little bit about how, unfortunately, some of, like, PTSD to a point is, there's not really so much you can do about it sometimes because we're, like, not designed to see some of those horrific things that some of our soldiers see overseas, right? Um, But then there's these difficulties that, people deal with that people experience like you had just mentioned when they're going overseas and they're located in some country they've never been in before and all those different issues that you've already mentioned um can come up and make their mental health difficult they can bring up some mental health issues what do you think what do you think that the military can do and what do you think the individuals themselves can do to hopefully help mitigate the problems that have risen over the last few years within the military? That's an awesome question. Uh, so personally, um, exercise, man, I think exercise and talking, you know, those are, especially like just in the U S population alone for males, just to go out and to make sure they're con they're, you know, having a regular exercise plan because people who exercise regularly, they have lower suicide rates. Um, it might be the endorphin release. They feel better. Um, then that's actually one of the measures, preventive measures that doctors, um, say is like one of the best preventive measures for, um, depression and anxiety is to exercise. Um, the other thing is in the military talking about it, talking about like what's going on with you, going to see, going to talk to a trusted friend or, you don't have to talk to a provider by no means. Like if you don't feel comfortable talking to a provider, then talk to a friend, talk to somebody that you trust and love that you can, you know, like if you're having a hard time, you, you, I'm a huge component. Like I think it's awesome when people talk about these issues because I, I think being able to tell somebody that it gets that weight off your shoulders. Um, so I'm going to relay it to PT. So log PT, you're carrying a log by yourself and that thing is heavy, right? Mm. Now imagine if you're able to, get somebody to help you out you know somebody else to carry that log that weight with you now it's lighter right yep and i definitely think that being able to talk about it it kind of in a metaphorical sense gives somebody else some of your load to carry so that you're not feeling like it's all on you to fix everything Mm. As far as the military in general, I think that we just need to continue going down this path of, you know, of being able to seek out help when we need it and not have it affect us at all. Mm. Uh, 
obviously if you're very very um depressed and you feel like you the only way out is suicide like it's going to probably take you away from mission readiness but you are the priority in the military the service member is a priority and we just need to realize that as a force that we need to take care of ourselves because that's the only way we're going to maintain the mission Mm. that's so good man i love that metaphor that you use too and i think that it just makes so much sense and yet it's so hard because you're afraid a lot of the time the reason that people don't talk about these things is because they're afraid of the stigma around mental health in general but also like even though i know this person loves me what will they think of me once i tell them this like all those thoughts and i think that the reality is in a lot of these cases a lot of those thoughts that you have a lot of those fears are lies if you're talking to somebody who genuinely loves and cares about you they're going to want to hear those things and i think that you're spot on in that it is a weight off your shoulders. We're designed as humans to live within community. We're not supposed to do it on our own. And I think one thing that can be so scary is that now more than ever, it's easier to be alone. Dude, I can just, I can work from home. I could stay in one room and just go to the kitchen to get some food here and there for like a month. And I would be like perfectly capable of doing that. It'd be super depressing but (laughs) there's a reason that we don't do that it's because we're designed not to the other thing i think that we gotta kind of put into play here is the fact that social media is just so huge in our generation Mm -hmm. Um, we live on our phones which i think is so unhealthy we're looking at things that we're like oh i wish i was that person i wish it was this i wish i had that you know we always want more but we're never we never look at our circumstances and be like, yo, I have food on the table, I got a paycheck, like I'm doing really well. Yes. And I think that we live on social media too much and I think that's a problem with our young with our younger generation, especially well like even our generation. And I think that also it like contributes to it because I think the military is being really proactive about these barracks barracks bashes or getting people out of their barracks rooms i think that's like the number one thing is we always on safety briefs we always say hey get out of your barracks room go do something because Mm. if you lock yourself in a room uh, you're just gonna go crazy Mm. yeah we need like we need social interactions sometimes like yes there's times for you to have to go home and decompress and just be by yourself and you know read a book or watch tv or whatever but sometimes you really need to go out and just do something whether that's you know an outdoor activity or if your thing is going to clubs go to a club Mm -hmm. go out and get that social interaction you know because we as you said we are we're meant for community we're not meant to be by ourselves yeah i totally agree man and you know that's just that's just relaying a message that i think is so powerful and it's that you're not alone and you're not meant to be alone so like you had mentioned earlier find that person that you trust that you love and that you know loves you and whatever you're struggling with talk to them because it's going to be a weight off your shoulders yes and definitely if somebody's struggling i think that the main thing is for them to reach out to somebody and start talking start giving somebody that that log you know some of that log to help them out mm. and I, definitely think that's like 
part of the community aspect as well. Um, but yeah, reaching out, I think, is the number one thing that somebody can do if they're in a situation where they're like, I don't feel safe with myself. Hmm. And that's such a sad thing to hear, but I've heard it several times throughout my my time in being in the military. And as soon as I hear that, I'm like, all right, bro, I got a guest bedroom. Come stay with me. Mm. Yeah. There needs and to be I've more people learned. like you. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's definitely like, that's definitely like a community aspect, a family aspect in the military is that if somebody doesn't feel good, like reach out to a buddy, have them fucking hang out with, or sorry, excuse my language. That's fine, dude. <laughs> I'm a sailor. So it comes out sometimes. Um, but reach out to a buddy and go and go, you know, hang out with them. I I've been on the other end where I felt like I did not feel safe with myself, and I reached out to a really really good friend, and he was like, "Yo, bro, come stay at my place. We're gonna hang out and drink Heineken." I'm like, "I love it. I'll be there." Yeah. And he actually drove over in the middle of the night, grabbed me, and brought me to his house, and we just I for like a week I stayed with him because I was going through a really really rough time. Hmm. I love that, and man. That. And I think that's that family aspect that the military is starting to really, like, really do a good part of, or a good thing about, is like they're like, hey, reach out to a friend. And they they always they draw attention to it. They're like, if you do not feel safe, talk to a friend, talk to a provider. Mm-hmm. Because you are the priority. And I think that's what the military is doing a really good, good job, especially reading the calendar 2018 report. The future thing was talking, talking more and trying to get away from the stigma it's in, it's in the report and i i absolutely love it and i can't wait for the 2019 report to come out to see what's coming out in the future yeah um, but i just my family aspect is huge I, shoot even as a leader like if you see like a sailor or a marine or a soldier or an airman having trouble or change their personality changes or they are down and then all of a sudden they're happy like you need to intervene you need to have the courage to intervene mm. that's why it's so important for like anybody to see to have like they have a close friend to pay attention to the signs and reach out to them or you know even like check on your buddies once a week if you if you can like reach out to them um and be like hey bro how you doing um miss you when can we see each other again I mean, that sounds like you're trying to reach out for a date, but at the same time, like, <laughs> um, at the same time, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm here for you. I care for you. And if you need anything, I'm here for you. Mm. And that's something that's so simple to do, um, but can really change somebody's day. You know, I know that whenever I randomly pop into somebody's head and they text me out of the blue and I don't normally hear from them, dude, that means the world. It makes my day. Absolutely, man. I think it's game-changing, honestly, to show that somebody you care, especially when they're having a hard time, it's game-changing. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And I, I love your story, too, about your buddy who came and picked you up and you just spent some time at his house and you know, drank some Heinekens and just chilled. I think that the message there is sometimes you just need somebody to just straight up be there. Like, who knows? Like, you guys were with each other for a week, so obviously you talked. But, like... In that yeah. moment of difficulty, there's a good chance you probably didn't even need words. You probably just needed somebody who loved you to just simply be there with you. Absolutely. Uh, you definitely, if you he, if he heard this podcast, you definitely know I was talking about him. Um, <laughs> because, you know, he was, honestly, it was, um, I, 
I don't know if it saved my life, but I think it might have, because I was in a very, very dark place, and um, he reached out, and he's like, hey, bro, I saw how you were at work. Are you okay? And I called him, and I was like, no, I don't feel safe with myself right now. And he's like, all right, I'm coming over. And I was like, okay. Mm. And for like the first couple of days, we did not talk about anything other than Halo and if we wanted Heineken or Guinness. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes, you know, just some Plus, Halo man, I, and some beer. He took that log off my shoulder and carried it with me. So, I mean, I owe it to him, man, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that, man. I'm glad that that he was able to be there for you. And thank you for sharing that message because, again, I think that we can overcomplicate a lot of these things. And one of the best ways we can help is just to offer our presence. Um, so thanks for sharing yeah. that, man. Absolutely, man. I definitely love your message of strength through vulnerability. It's it's an amazing message. It's three simple words but it means so much. I appreciate it, man. It really means a lot coming from you. So, dude, I appreciate your time so much. I want to respect your time. We're coming up relatively close to an hour, so I would love for you to, if you have any last words, any last couple things that you want to share, and then if people want to reach out to you, or ask you a question or something. Is there a place that people can find you? Absolutely. My phone, I tell this to my sailors all the time. My phone is on loud, and you can call my personal phone no matter what time of the day. So if anybody needs, you know, wants to talk to me, um, I will absolutely respond to you as soon as I can because sometimes I'm busy, but as soon as I can, I'll respond. But my personal cell phone number, it's 207 730 3982 and I encourage you if you need to talk to somebody or if you just want to know more absolutely reach out to me um, and then I, the only message I want to put out is talk to your fan or talk to somebody you know lighten your own load and kind of just don't get in your own way of healing mm. that's that's really it I love that man share the log with somebody else <laughs> share the log with somebody else man well, Brendan, this has been a blast. Listeners, this has been the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And Brendan, I can't wait to have you on again, man. This has been awesome. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you you know, reaching out and let me doing this with you. I appreciate you. All right, everybody. We will be back in a week. And by we, maybe Brendan won't be on the next episode. He might be back in a few weeks. But I will be back talking to you again next week. Peace.